Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome into the WEI Celtics podcast. I am your host, Sam Packer, joined by Jared Weiss, host of the Garden Report and from CLNS Radio. And we turn to our mainest man, the best friend of the WEI Celtics podcast, who's been recapping these games for us, Chris Forsberg. How are you doing? What's up, guys? You guys want to get those necklaces like what you had as kids where it's like, half of a heart and we'll, like, I'll have one and you guys can have the other half? I'm more into blood oaths. Um, that's just me. That's how I do all my business. So uh, if you're willing to submit your blood, I'm ready to accept it. Let's roll. All right, before we start, ESPN Forsberg over here is brought to you by SeatGeek. Use the code CELTICSBEAT to get a $20 rebate on SeatGeek with your first purchase. So buy tickets for Game 4 because you don't know if they're going to be back for Game 6. So the question I pose to you is, are they going to be back for Game 6 after what you saw last night? Yeah, well, uh, they. I would say so. I, I think there's a chance here. Like, I think you're going to feel pretty confident going into Game 4 here. I think they showed enough. Now, obviously, there's the, the obvious question of, can the team succeed if Isaiah Thomas doesn't score 42 points? And uh, can they put together 48 actual minutes of basketball where they, they don't blow leads or have to play from behind? But they also just got a, a pretty good spark there from the home crowd. They found something with this uh, lineup of depth that they can run with, and I think there's a lot to be encouraged by. There's, there's nothing that, that tells me they shouldn't be able to go out and be competitive in Game 4. And I don't know how to how it'll play out from there. I still think the Hawks are a really good team, and nothing about the Celtics has been consistent enough to tell me they're going to win this series. But I don't think the idea of, of getting to Game 6 or Game 7 is, uh, is outlandish as it might have seemed after two games. So Isaiah Thomas goes for a career-high 42 points last night. He joins the long list of Celtics greats. Yada, yada, yada. We get it. The Celtics are a historically great organization. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> But if you listen to Brad, he says there Isaiah's doing nothing different. Uh, this is exactly how he played in game one and two. It's just magically we've opened up the floor and created 42 points of scoring. So, one, do you believe Brad? And if you don't, what changed in game three to allow Isaiah to explode like this? Well, I think he's, he's undervaluing the changes he made, and maybe he's just trying to diminish his role in elevating Thomas's Classic play, Brad. We try not to Classic shit on Jared Sullender. Such a Brad move. Uh, but just br- bringing Jarebko out, obviously, spaces the floor. You bring Evan Turner on. You get the ball handler. All of a sudden, Isaiah doesn't have to, to do as much. You don't get Sullender clogging up the paint or, you know, bringing nothing on the wing. And then you got Evan who can, can create off the dribble, create some ball movement. And it just, everything worked really well. And the I mean, the one thing that, that he might be honest about is a, a ton of Isaiah's points came in transition. And maybe that was just like a, a little sit-down where he said, hey, listen, when we get into a half court, you're not getting anything against this team. They're going to pack the paint. They're making things difficult. They're rushing three guys at you on the wing. You know, if you get a chance to pull up in transition, shoot it. And his numbers last night in transition were, were kind of crazy. I wish I had it in front of me. But uh, I think he only had something like five transition points this entire series 
going into last night's game, and he had something like 18 or 16 of his points. Uh, that way, most of them pull up threes. So uh, they they found a little way to get him going. And like, listen, I think we all knew this was going to happen. That the Celtics were going to make a few shots, and things were going to get easier. Uh, whether that would have happened if they didn't make these lineup changes is, is open for discussion. Like, I don't think uh, Jared Sollinger was going to be doing the attack the basket aggressive Swedish tipping like Jarevko did there in the opening sequence and sort of lighten the fuse on the guard. Well, let's talk about the the hot Swede. He p- played out of his mind. I think it was his first start in his Celtics career, and he gets a double-double and provides the spacing and the energy. And if there's one thing that Jonas Jarebko does, it's offensive rebound, and he's been doing that for the entire uh, length of his career in Boston. But what you did you expect this from Jonas Jarebko? I know... Before game two, there's a, the Twitterverse was saying start Jarebko, and I was big on the start Jarebko uh, crowd, but I didn't think was, this was going to happen. I didn't think he was going to be this good. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I if I necessarily expected him to, to put up the, the stat line that was as, as robust as it was in terms of you know what was it like seven points, eight rebounds, three assists. Like, whoa, whoa! Don't undersell it, him. Eleven points, twelve oh, rebounds, wow. and, and four assists. assists. Wow, wow! Even better than I than I imagined. And Turner was the same way, like. You know, I think it was five steals, even though he had five turnovers. Like, both those guys came in and, and, and really stuffed the stat sheet. And that's a good thing. That's, like, kind of what you needed. Uh, none of these guys were, were being asked to necessarily come in and, and, you know, shoulder the scoring load like Isaiah or whatever. They just have to do what they do. And, and, and the trickle-down effect was going to help their teammates. And, again, like, coming into the series, the number one thing we said was that the Celtics don't match up well with the Hawks, and they needed to make these changes to do it. Now, you could say it was a little bit surprising that Brad maybe didn't go to it earlier. I mean, they did in terms of, like, Evan was rolled into the to the first three minutes pretty much of, of both those games and then started the second half. You know, maybe you look back and say, we kind of knew this was going to happen. Like, why didn't they come out right out of the gates of game one with it and maybe throw it as a little bit more of a surprise? But, you know what, maybe sometimes you just got to learn and, and, and figure out that, that it's not working and give them credit for making the switch because I think we talked about it before before Game 3 pod. It was it was like, you know, it's it's only natural to overreact when things aren't going well, and sometimes you got to take that step back and say, okay, they were terrible at the start of Game one, uh, game 2, but they were played them even the rest of the way. They managed to come back in Game 1, but, you know, it was a one-point game. Is it really time to reinvent the wheel? I think we still know that they, they needed to do something. And the, the question now is just as it's sustainable. Is, is Jurebko going to be able to give you that same burst in game four, game five, game six going forward? Uh, I, I don't know if that's going to hold up, but the, the Turner and Jurebko line, I think, was the best two-man combination last night, and that's an encouraging sign. Yeah, I want to quote uh, someone named ESPN Forsberg on Twitter. They tweeted out uh, that the they had a, a positive 14 net rating uh, with Turner and Jarepko out there, which was the best two-man grouping on the Celtics in Game 3. And Smart guy, that force, I know, that guy, worth a follow. Probably retweet, too. But what, what amazed me, though, about Jarepko was that he played 30 minutes plus. He played 37 last night for the first time in four seasons. It has been four years since he's actually played 30 minutes in a game. And he was like the most active guy on the floor for the last five minutes of the game. I mean, he 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 wasn't tired at all. He didn't need to pace himself when he was going balls to the wall for the entire game. He made that crucial block with like three and a half minutes left. He was making plays through until the buzzer in a game where he was stretched beyond anything that he's done so far in, in the NBA, pretty much. Yeah, well, I mean, Jonas's cardio is infinite, man. He's just like running up and down that court. 
you could, I mean, it's the one guy you had confidence in that if you threw him in there for 40 minutes, he was going to be able to handle it. Like, even if he doesn't play a ton of minutes, I, I talked to him before game three, and he was saying, you know, I don't care what my role is. Like, I played 30 minutes, I played 20 minutes, I've been benched. I was like, he's ready for anything. He knows how this all works. And you could tell he was kind of pumped to get a chance. And that's a good thing. Like I said, the, the, more, the, the, the one thing I, I wonder is, is, if, is, is it sustainable? Because we know how this happens. Like, even when there's, like, someone gets injured, someone takes their spot on the line, and you get that initial burst, and it's like, why? Why is this happening? And it's just that energy or, you know, adrenaline or something that's going on. Can they sustain that moving forward? Uh, they better hope because it's important for this Celtics team to be able to uh, to bottle that up and, and score points because uh, we saw the uh, what the effects of when they don't in uh, games one and two. I was about to go on a long rant about how Jonas was born in the altitude of the Swiss Alps, and then I realized that uh, that's a different country and that wouldn't apply whatsoever. So I'm going to quickly uh, transition. First, I wanted to point out that um, Jonas had a great, great body check on uh, Al Horford in the middle of the court. And Swedish roots. Exactly. Swedish hockey team, you know? And the, I want to talk about kind of the chippiness of the series. Uh, it got physical last night. There was flagrant fouls left and right. Yeah, Olivia Newton-John was there um, singing on the sidelines. Uh, she dapped up Isaiah Thomas after a big three. It was either her or uh, Dion Lewis. I'm not sure. But she looked good with those LeGarrette Blunt dreads. Exactly. They, her and LeGarrette Blunt are the best of pals. But that is a, a, a bit of a digression. It got uh, these teams no longer like each other. I think they were uh, somewhat friendly before, but now they've gotten into a fight, and it started with um, Isaiah Thomas may uh, have uh, punched Dennis Schroeder in the face, but we don't have to talk about that. But then there is uh, fouls galore. Um, what did you? What was your impression of the kind of just the the chippiness and the the feistiness between these two teams? And well, this is what happens when a, a series gets competitive, right? Like when two teams are actually pushing each other a little bit when games are tight. There's a little bit of this of this chippiness and aggression comes out, and that's a good thing. I think this is what what we kind of expect from the playoffs. You know, you see it in in other series, guys get under each other's skin, and you see them four seven times per series. It's it's only natural that this happens, and so it's good to see. I mean, the Celtics have a bunch of antagonizers. Like I, he barks at everybody. Marcus Smart pisses everybody off. Uh, you know, they just play tight defense. Crowder, even though he's not making any shots, is probably still talking trash. Forty eight minutes, so. Uh, it, it, it's only natural that, that that would bubble up. And they just needed a villain. And enter Scrooter, and he's ready to fill that, that role. And, and, and now we got a little, a little fun behind this series because things are only probably going to get elevated even more from here. Who better than the German with the stupid haircut to just draw the ire of all of Boston? It's, it's the perfect role. Hollywood casting agents wouldn't even, couldn't even find a better person to be the villain in this series. And what's great about that is that Evan Turner, the villain, is the one who said after last night, he goes, who's the guy with the patch? Like, he wouldn't even name check him. Like, like, like he doesn't know what Scrooter's name is, and he's out there just kind of messing with his hair and stuff like that. It's, I think it, it's, a, it's, it's good for this series to have, you know, good guys and bad guys, and, you know, obviously that's by your view of where you live is how the, that will play out. But uh, to, see, to see the German get the boo treatment, the, uh, what do we, what, what are we, the Mike Bibby or like, all the other guys that have come through that get booed every time they touch the ball, uh, that means that uh, this series has jumped up a notch, and, and that's a good thing. There's one thing. Jared Sollinger may be having a terrible, terrible series, but after that first <laughs> um, 
first altercation, he basically picked up Isaiah and treated him like a tackling sled and pushed him into the back row. And it was probably the most important thing he'll, most important contribution he'll have the entire series because Isaiah was ready to fight. And Bill Belichick yeah, was, was in the audience. He might have just recruited another offensive lineman. <laughs> it's the best box out that, that Jared's had all, all playoffs. So, you know, it, it, it's excellent. It's funny because Bill Doyle was, was, writing, was writing on Jared before last night's game. And, of course, Jared goes to the bench. He doesn't you know, have a really impactful game. And I, I was joking with him afterward. I'm like, well, that story's not going to hold up. And he said, well, there is one angle I could run with. And, and he, Jared Sullivan might have made maybe the most important play of the postseason by corralling Isaiah Thomas. And it's so true. Like, you do wonder. I mean, Isaiah was hot at that point, And you wonder what would have happened. And, and, I mean, Isaiah was mad that he just got a technical. I mean, he would have got a lot more if he had uh, actually gone back and gotten in uh, the German's face. So, uh, The German's face. The German's face. The German. Uh, <laughs> Like I said, doesn't this make it more fun? Isn't this better than sitting there talking about, like, oh, the Celtics keep missing shots, and, uh, you know, what are they going to do? Like, at least we got a little, at least we got some storylines now. Now we got international incidents. Al Horford's from the Dominican Republic. It's just like a, a fun model UN class. <laughs> League of Nations, and it couldn't be more exciting. All right. Uh, a few other things we have to hit on. You mentioned Jay Crowder before. Um, played 33 minutes and missed 10 shots. Really. I mean, we all knew this. It was obvious, like, before his injury that his shot started with his ankle. But um, now it's even more obvious. that it's... Is that a hashtag yet, by the way? It all started in the ankle? <laughs> if it's not, it really, it really should be. But you can tweet that with all caps, and uh, we'll, we'll address yeah. it on the show. He's... So Crowder's obviously struggling from the offensive end, but he's still playing great defense on Horford and Millsap, and just the ability of Crowder and Smart to be able to switch on those pick and rolls, especially when those guys, those bigs, are the setting the picks. It's really oh, amazing what they've been able to do because Millsap really hasn't shown up so far in this series, and it's been going in. I, everyone was, especially me, was thinking Millsap's the key. He's the All NBA player, but last night uh, those two guys combined for only sixteen points. Sixteen points, yeah, like eight apiece or something like that. Like Horford had a couple loud buckets, like a, a second half slam, the hook shots and stuff like that. Horford had Brad one bucket. really, really cool play where he caught the ball in midair and then oh, like yeah. rotated and passed to a Corver three. But other than that, he was kind of silent. Yeah, and, and I mean that was, that wasn't a, an, an amazing feed. What what presence of mind? We talk about that Isaiah behind the back pass, uh, like middle of the season, what that might have been the, the highlight of the Celtics season. Uh, that was that was amazing presence of mind to know that Corver was in the corner and sort of speaks to their continuity. But yeah, it's it, 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 it's sort of like the way I look at it, it with Sullinger and stuff like that is like if he could just rebound consistently in the series, he would be valuable enough to keep on the floor uh, because the Celtics need rebounding. But he hasn't been able to do that yet, and that's part of the reason that he's no longer starting. And that's why. You know, everyone's sitting there looking at Jay Crowder and saying, oh, man, he's not making any shots. He's clearly not 100%. Like, why are they keeping him on the floor? And it completely ignores the fact that he's taken Millsap completely out of this series, which is, like, maybe more important than, than anything else besides maybe Isaiah scoring on a night like last night. So uh, it really is impressive what, what Smart and Crowder have done considering their offensive struggles. And you sort of – I wish people would sort of or, – or at least the people that are, have the loudest voices in this town – could step back and understand that there's you know two sides of the court and don't just look at the box score and what they're shooting. Like these guys are a major reason these guys this this team is as competitive as it has been. That they have a chance now. Uh, without that defense, there is absolutely no chance the Celtics are in this series. Uh, Smart and Crowder have been 
phenomenal. And that throw Amir in there, too, and at least Amir's giving you some, some sneaky offense at times. Uh, it's been really interesting to see Boston's guys sort of, you know, there was that lull at the end of the season where points kind of came easy, and it felt like maybe they took their, their foot off the defensive accelerator and kind of forgot the team that they were for, for when they were really good. Been, it's been nice to see them kind of get back to that and sort of understand that if they're going to have any sort of success in the postseason, it's got to be on the defensive side. So, first off, Amir Johnson almost outscored Al Horford and Paul Millsap combined. Wow. He had 15 points of their 16 points, which is such a remarkable accomplishment from such an unlikely source. It's You, you would have expected maybe Jared Solinger could pull that one off, but not hookshot Amir. Vegas Vegas would not have put that, you know, on on the board as a as a bettable option. Oh no no, I, I put down a hundred dollars. It was four thousand to one odds. I'm looking good right now. <laughs> Vegas has no faith in the big dog. <laughs> they don't know about tall money. <laughs> tall money's got answers. He's been great, and and he had that alley oop. Like, where did that come from? That Crowder to to a mere alley oop, where like that barely was pulled off. Terry from borrowed Terry Rozier's legs for for a dunk. It was a uh, you know I don't know. They somehow they they hooked up. Uh, they hooked up the big dog to the to the hot tub time machine and brought him back for uh, brought him back a couple of years. It's been good. Like again, that's something they needed in this series to be competitive. If if this was bulky ankled Amir Johnson hobbling around and trying to guard those guys, it would be a disaster. But their rim protection has been really good. As good as Atlanta's rim protection has been otherworldly, the Celtics struggled at times to to stop penetration from the guards near the rim. But they've done a pretty good job going up, limiting the fouls in most situations. And uh, making things at least difficult. And Smart's block on Hort was it Horford at the end of that game? Yes. Like, I mean, it's just so many little plays that contribute to that to that winning effort. But it, it, it's 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 really cool to see. And that was my next question: the transition contests by Jarevko, Amir, and then of course Smart with what was a pretty remarkable block on Horford. He just he timed that so well. And, you know, Smart, I feel like when he has the ball in his hands, his vertical is pretty limited. But when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he can get over any player in the NBA. Uh, it, they made so many crucial stops in transition in the late fourth quarter. And, you know, the Hawks, they fought back, and then the Celtics were able to regain control. But the Hawks were thundering down in those last few minutes, and you had crucial stops by Jarevko, uh, Amir when he was still in there a little bit earlier, Smart, but Crowder made some really good plays. They had that great play that forced a turnover with a minute or two left where they forced Millsap to drive baseline and then try to throw a wraparound pass to the corner, and that got picked off. They made so many crucial plays down at the rim against a team that should be able to score on them pretty easily down there. The progress was in the poise, as Brad Stevens likes to say. You know, I think that that's an encouraging sign because... Wait a starting... second, what does that even mean, Forsberg? <laughs> I don't know, but it's Brad said it, it's what it adds to it. You're uh, just a voice yeah. of a propaganda state of this. Uh, you're a Stevens. <laughs> you're a Stevens stan. You're a Stevens stan. I, I, I listen. I, I, I enjoy his coaching style. I like his demeanor, um, and I like that. In, in the face of it, so we said it after the Golden State win, and it was like you could tell even he was amped. And I think we all know from even that one gif of him body bumping in, in the NCAA tournament that there's times that he, he has to exalt, and we probably never see it. We might never see it at the NBA level, but we know there's times he's excited. And so that night, they were pumped to beat the Warriors. And he's like, he came out initially to do media. Not all the media was there. He's like, you know, I want to go back in the locker room. And I don't know if he was, like, throwing high fives and doing more body bumps, but he came out, and he just kind of took one breath, and he collected himself. And he just very calmly explained, like, all the things they did to win that game. And I think the last question was something like, uh, 
you know, what, what, what does it mean to, for this team, you know, going forward, what to show this progress to win this game? And he just said, the, 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 the progress was in the poise. And it was like a walk-off moment. He just dropped the mic and kind of took off without explaining it. But his, his, what, what he would later explain it and say that he's happy that, you know, that's a game that, again, in goal, I don't mean to digress to the Golden State, but the, the, the fact that they, that's a game they should have lost because that's a game they don't typically win against a good team, making a late rally, and they came up and they made the stops and the shots when they needed to, and that was an encouraging sign to Brad because it showed that they could beat a really good team on the road in a, t- in a tough situation when a game that meant something to both sides. And so now you see it in the playoffs, and that's a good thing because you didn't see it in game one. And when they, they surge ahead, Avery goes down, whatever reason was, uh, they didn't make the plays when they needed to, and part of it was Crowder not being able to stop Teague on one leg, all that. Uh, game three, they found a way to make the plays. That's, that's an encouraging sign because these games are going to all sort of come down to the wire like this. No matter what we've seen through the first three games is, Someone's going to have a double-digit lead. The double-digit lead is going to go away, and it's how you respond. That's going to dictate who wins those games. Well, I appreciate you talking about the Warriors because we do need to get our NBA Finals preview out of the way for Celtics Warriors, so it's never Ooh. too early for that. That is true. That is true. <laughs> um, it, when Brad said that, did he, like, grab Abby Chin's mic and, like, point to the camera like he was Hulk Hogan? <laughs> it, you know, it, even uh, – I, I don't know if you guys noticed it. Like, the end of uh, his pregame session yesterday, I felt like he was kind of like – juiced up or something like he had a little extra amp to him he just was like what he was he was very demonstrative when he was kind of talking about you know what they what what they wanted to do and the changes and what how they was going to play out and he defended kelly really adamantly and uh it just felt like there are times when he's got the you know where he, he's got to be calm brad but you could tell it's kind of like bubbling up inside of him and uh but yeah you, you could definitely tell there are moments when he's uh he's appreciative of, of the way his team plays i'm glad you brought that up because i was sitting front row for that uh for that Stevens pregame sesh, and I was ready to ask him what his favorite Prince song, but I was intimidated <laughs> by the the fury that was coming out of his voice. So yeah. I, I I decided it might not be the best moment uh, to ask I Brad that. And then I asked I Evan Turner uh, later what his favorite Prince song was, and he didn't have an answer, which I it, thought it, was absolutely absurd. It absolutely, like though, we almost took the Jeff Twist Media Award away from Evan for that lack of a response. Either he's trolling us, or he doesn't know the Prince catalog, and I can't imagine that's true. So uh, he's clearly has a maybe it was just like you know, just sexy MF or something, and he just didn't want to, to to put it out there. Like he, he's definitely got a favorite Prince song, and uh, the world eagerly awaits finding out what Brad uh, thinks as well. But until then, we he's going to just be adamant that uh that kelly olenek would play if he's healthy the celtics need to win a couple of games before i have the the confidence to ask brad that question <laughs> yeah, i don't blame you there yeah wait till he beats the Cavs, and then i'll be in a good mood <laughs> and then you can sneak it in now, chris you were on the court uh during halftime to present the first annual jeffrey twist award to evan turner and if, for people who don't know who jeff twist is which i assume is most of you out there he is the celtics media savant he's their uh, media relations director and is kind of a legend around the NBA. Uh, for one, why didn't you win the award? And two, were you out there on the court because of your contributions to the WEI Celtics podcast? And three, why well, didn't yeah. we didn't get why didn't we get votes in the Jeff Twist Award? <laughs> what kind of system is this? If, if you uh, pay your PBWA dues, you are more than welcome to, to, to submit a vote for the postseason awards. I've never uh, been invited to pay those dues. This is a... Well, you, 
consider consider this your recruiting meeting. I'd be sending you a bill for twenty dollars as soon as we get off the phone line. <laughs> this closed uh, primary system is BS, and it's disenfranchising <laughs> the vote for us bloggers. <laughs> so the, the Jeff Twist Award, uh, it, it, for as Jared said, he's the amazing PR guy for the Celtics. And if you've ever watched the Celtics game, you've undoubtedly seen Twister sitting at the end of the Celtics scorers table and dapping up all the players as they go to the court. And he goes out of his way to help us try to do our jobs. And uh, that's a good thing. So, so uh, hold on one second. I got a child emergency. What's up, honey? No, leave it in. Leave it in. Uh-huh. We got another guest on the show. Okay. Strawberries. All right, let me let's... <laughs> I hope you guys are getting this. Oh, we're getting all of it. All right, so let's go check this out, guys. So, so a, quick, a quick break from the Twister story. Uh, my child has uh, smashed a plate of chocolate strawberries in the middle of our kitchen. Oh, no. And they've commandeered the dog by putting him on a leash so that the dog does not eat all the chocolate strawberries. Well, you've raised them well. That's safety. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that their first instinct is not to feed the chocolate, the, the chocolate to the dog. Oh, wow, so your plate is smashed. That's, that's a bit of a pain. Is there glass? Um, yeah, guys, I'm going to have to hop off for a second. If I don't know if you want me to call back in in a minute. I mean, <laughs> you, you deal with it. It sounds like a real wild situation over there. <laughs> I'm going to send you guys a picture. It can be the show picture. Oh, uh, that would be perfect. Chocolate strawberries smashed all over my floor. What I a decadent breakfast, alone. though. I mean, really, they should be eating something more nutritious, Chris. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. All right, let me explain this away before my, my, my parenting gets called into question. <laughs> the, the children, the, my my daughter, my six-year-old, got a magazine uh, with like Dora the Explorer on the cover, and it's all about how to make chocolate strawberries on the inside. So they made a batch the other night. Uh, well, probably while I was at like game two, and uh, I came home to find these delicious treats, and we were saving them for for a night. And uh, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> Now they've they've destroyed that. Oh, great! Mom is now walking in the house, and I am going to be doubly screwed. Oh, you should just tell her you're on the on the phone talking uh, nonsense about uh, game three, and she'll be super enthused. Actually, I think it serves as the perfect transition point to the Weei Celtics mailbag because uh, I don't think we can top uh, any topics after that. No, so, not at all. Let's go. Let's dive in. Rip open the bag. Rip it open like a gigantic plate of broken straw. All right, so first off, uh, I guess I have to set up the context here. As I was driving over here, I saw a a man punch a sign that said, End Violence Now, which I thought was punchably ironic. So Ryan Kennedy, a.k.a. Keeping It Up With K, wanted to know, will I punch one if IT gets suspended? And I will, because considering how many— Because you're extremely violent. Because I am an unstoppable (laughs) force of anger, and— Considering how many violent flagrant fouls there were where guys could have actually gotten injured, the idea that a pimp slap would get somebody suspended, and considering <laughs> other hits that have happened in the, across the NBA so far, uh, it, it's, it would be ridiculous that the unsportsmanship of that play would trump the actual violent flagrant fouls that have occurred throughout the NBA and be actually warranting a suspension. My my favorite part of that of the, the defense, though, like Celtics fans, as they're trying to explain away, what Isaiah was doing when he threw his arm up was like the idea that where was Scrooter going? He walked right into it, which is you know kind of laughable. But uh, it's actually it's kind of a valid point too because like, they're in transition. I don't know why he was running directly into Isaiah. He clearly was aggressive on, on the future plays. Um, I I would agree that if 
but uh, I would be surprised if he got suspended because of, uh, uh, of the other hard fouls that have happened in the aftermath and the, the stuff we see that there's going to be far more egregious, but with the NBA, you just never know. Yeah, we saw, in, I don't know how many years ago, uh, the Suns' entire season was basically ruined because Amari Stoudemire left the bench. So it's really up to kind of how much they'll follow the kind of arbitrary rules. I know it's like if you strike someone in the face, it's an automatic suspension. But then there's the great thing about judicial discretion where they Adam Silver can really do whatever he wants. And if I was the commissioner, I'd want the guy who just put up a career high and is keeping a team in the series and basically saved all of round one. I'd want him playing in game four just because I'm concerned about uh, putting the best product out on the floor. You can't take the pizza guy out of this series. I mean, I have no idea what that means. The pizza guy? You don't learn. know the pizza guy? No. Isaiah Thomas, when he was in Sacramento, oh, did ads. that's right. B Rob didn't know this either. Like, how do people not know no, this? No, I remember this, though. Sacramento local television commercial of all time. Well, B Rob spends a lot of his time uh, producing other radio station shows from inside a closet at the TD Garden, so we can't really uh, blame him for his ignorance. Uh, but, but this brings up a good question because Jared said he saw you know he would be willing to punch a sign. What, what's the most angry you guys have ever got? Um, in terms of uh, rage, yeah, like, like physical, physical rage, like what, just tell me, tell me a tale of you guys wilding out. Have you ever seen that that video? I remember I saw it on Tosh Point a few years back where like so, there's like somebody sets up like a secret camera in his brother's room. The brother walks in, he starts rampaging on his mattress, and then he like very deliberately shoves his remote up his ass for like two seconds and screams. <laughs> that <laughs> was you? It, that was not me, but I think I've gone all the way to the point except for shoving the remote up my ass, which frankly I don't think would be a good way to relieve anger. I'm not a very angry person. I, I I can't. No moment comes to mind. Uh, I feel like if I have any rage, it dissipates within 30 seconds. One time, wow. this is an unrelated story, but one time, um, my brother put on the Rocky theme song and started blasting it throughout our house, and he was started punching me, and I told him to stop, and then he just uh, punched a hole through the wall. So that's gonna be my submission: is just uh, Rocky-induced rage. How about you, Chris Forsberg? You don't seem like a, a very angry person. You did, you yeah, handled was, the uh, chocolate strawberries incident quite well. Yeah, incredibly say, graceful. There, there, there are certainly times when, when when little children can can send you into a uh, about ten second hurricane of rage. But uh, by and large, they behave well, and uh, I, I try to keep it together. I don't know if I've ever really gotten like worked up. Like it's funny because like even uh, some of our, our coworkers. You know, you're like jostling for, for, for space, knocking for space in a uh, media scrum. Things can get heated and elbows can fly uh, more aggressive than like an actual ba- basketball game. I know I've been hit with more recorders in the head and cameras in the head. Like, no one calls a flake on that. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't think I've ever really gone nuts on anybody. I guess, I guess I joined in that, 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 that pack. I don't, I don't think I've ever been a really violent outburst. I wish it doesn't lend itself to a very good story, but... All right, next no question on the uh, on the mailbag is from uh, me, and I just thought of it. Which member of the Celtics beat uh, is most likely to get enraged and uh, punch someone in the face? Because I have my answer, but I'm I'm curious about your thoughts. You've been on the beat uh, longer than I have. Uh, it's not Bill Doyle, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. Bill Doyle would politely not shake not your hand if he was angry at you. Exactly. Um... I think uh, Trags could sneakily yep. like get angry, <laughs> but uh, wait, wait, wait! Sneakily get angry? <laughs> Would it be a surprise if he was angry about something? 
<laughs> you know, I think we all have internal pressures of this business, and it all it all makes us act crazy at some point. My answer, um, only because I played uh, in the media game on his team, is Asherod Blakely. Yes. That guy that was, was not too. messing around, and he was ready to he was ready to fight. Yeah, he, yeah, it, legitimately. And there, I think there was like an issue. I think they tried to sub on us. I'm like, <laughs> they tried to do and a hockey that, sub on us, and Asherab was not having any of it, and it <laughs> led to some some uh, hard fouls. And I was appreciative because I was on the same team as him, and uh, it led to a victory. So uh, Asherab okay. Blakely, I would not mess with. Sam, who, whose team won that game? Did we win that game? Oh yeah, I believe we destroyed. Oh, uh, we just- Destroyed the Gary Zen and uh, who was the other one talking? Talking Adam Kaufman. Yes, yeah, we we took them all down. Well, well, you know what? Not that anyone remembers the final score, but we we came back in the second half and destroyed them. Yeah, it was uh, it was sixty six to fifty five, but no one remembers the final score. <laughs> well done. All right, another uh, mailbag question. What was it? The the lobster roll question. So, I know you got in a long debate on this on Twitter, Jared. So I stepped out of it, but after our our the great hot dog debate of 2016 on the last episode <laughs> of this podcast, uh, an absolute firestorm of debate over which was a real lobster roll, a cold lobster roll, or a hot lobster roll was started, and it was my fault for ignorantly. As somebody from Massachusetts who lives off of cold lobster rolls, I ignorantly said to uh, Ryan Bernadoni, a.k.a. Danger Cart, the Boston Celtics subreddit legend and Celtics hub writer, uh, I said it would be disgusting to eat hot lobster with mayonnaise. And apparently there is a whole underworld of America <laughs> that is eating hot lobster with butter on a roll and no, no sort of seasoning or delicious mix of greens and cold flavors to match it so i want to know as a worcester native are you eating cold lobster rolls or hot lobster rolls you know what i'm gonna take myself right out of this conversation because I, i'm not i'm not a lobster guy and i don't you know i, I maybe that's so far inland at my my speed uh but i do i do enjoy the uh aggressive nature of that conversation it went from uh you know zero to 100 pretty quickly there uh, with you guys getting getting angry, so but I mean I, I don't have I don't have a a a, a, a horse in this race. I'm gonna let you guys get out like the hot dog one I can jump into, but lobsters you, you guys can educate me there. I mean, are there delicious all the delicious lobster in the Quabbin Reservoir? I assume would feed Worcester for years and years. <laughs> yeah, you'd think right. <laughs> they're all they're all. They're all you want to talk about red lobsters versus brown lobsters or green <laughs> lobsters? Like just probably some personally a blue lobster here. kind of guy. <laughs> I went to college at Bowdoin College in Maine, and every, like, the start of every fall semester, there's a big lobster cookout, and it was like, oh, you see all your friends, everyone was wearing their summer finest, a lot of pastels uh, and preppy clothing at Bowdoin College, I don't know if that surprised anyone, but I'm actually with you on this one, Chris, lobster, supremely overrated, mostly yeah. it's just a dunking in butter, um, and I like butter, I guess. I like butter more than mayonnaise, so I'm going to have to go with the hot lobster roll on this one just because of uh, the other ingredients. But I'll take uh, any other type of roll over a lobster roll. Yeah, if, if, if I'm going to go up to Maine, I'm getting some deep-fried, like, terrible-for-me seafood, and, and I'm not worrying about the lobster. If you want to pay a million dollars, you can. Hold on, hold on one it. second. You're talking about fried clams. My girlfriend, who has lived in Maine for the past eight years, told me last night that she has never eaten a fried clam. And oh my shit. god! Talking about rage moments. Oh my god! This yeah. was this was it. it. It was horrifying. So you backhanded her immediately. I assume. No, I didn't, because I learned from Isaiah Thomas that I did not want to be suspended for Game Four. <laughs> 
Did she disappointed to find her stuff packed up and outside the house this morning after, after revelation? I haven't I seen know. her since that comment, so I don't know how she's feeling. But but, <laughs> but he left a box of fried fried clams waiting for her, of course. <laughs> yeah, we you want we, maybe we need to do this from the road. Like I don't want to be presumptuous and say this, the Celtic season might be over, but like in a couple weeks, if. Uh, Things don't work out. We the, could do a clam shack tour of New England. The for gang's the going to Portland, Maine. I am all in for this. All right, we're going to wrap it up with the the final WEI Celtics mailbag question, and this is also from me. But I thought about this one last night. <laughs> <laughs> Game operations did not play one Prince oh, song so for the entire night last night. They had so many chances. If they just played Let's Go Crazy, that's literally what you want the crowd to do is go crazy, and they did not take the opportunity once, and it was supremely disappointing. Chris Forsberg, as the preeminent music scholar in the locker room, oh, side note, Jay King uh, says he's never heard of a Prince song in his life and spent the entire day listening to Joe Budden. So that says all you need to know about Jay King. Pump it up, Jay. So just if you're listening, so that's the kind of education you're getting if you're listening to the Rating Jays podcast. I mean, come on. To be fair, I would imagine John Corrales knows a Prince song or two, but if you want some Joe Budden hot takes from Jay King, <laughs> by all means, turn this podcast off and go listen to Rating Jays. If you Jays. want to listen to the fourth best rapper from 2001, you can deal with another <laughs> podcast. We're here to talk about the legend Prince. I am, you know, I will, I will, I will temper this by saying I think the Boston Celtics game operations staff. Typically does a phenomenal job. They typically have a presence of mind about things like a, a passing in the music world. They tend to weave those things in. Supremely disappointing that if they did something, I missed it. And I sat there in the fourth quarter waiting for it. And just like you said, no shortage of hits they could have played. They could have done a three-song medley in the pregame if they wanted to. Like there had to be an acknowledgement of the biggest story in the news in, you know, surrounding the, the world. Uh, and, and they just totally dropped the ball on it. They, and now the, the, the one question I'm left wondering is what the hell is going to happen when Bon Jovi dies? I was about to uh, say they play Bon Jovi 17 times. They will. They'll this be- is our house. That is the worst song in the history of music. And they play that every single time a Patriot's there. And it's infuriating. When Bon Jovi dies, Bill Belichick will sit at center court at halftime and just cry for 10 minutes, and then they will cut <laughs> cut to the second uh, half. As someone who enjoys classic rock, I, I enjoy their selections of Journey, and uh, you know, some of them are a little hack-knot at this point. It feels like, you know, we've sort of been going through this well. Still do Welcome to the Jungle before tip-off, things like that. I don't mind those, but you have to be aware of what is going on. And the fact that there was no Prince song, just... They could have done the kiss cam while playing kiss. I mean, that would have worked pretty nicely. <sighs> Anything would have been great. And the, you know, can we talk about that too? That in Atlanta, they, they like every halftime is staged. Like they do the kiss cam, and they have plants, multiple plants in the crowd. And then one of them went viral with the girl eating pizza. Pizza was girl amazing. was a plant. That was a total plant. Oh come on, Atlanta! You have you, you barely have fans but, showing up, and you're gonna have to fake the kiss cam. This is atrocious. I don't think that was a plan. I think that was your average pizza consumer in Atlanta. I guarantee you, it was a plan because it was followed like three seasons later. We got the kiss of the girl on the right, kiss of the girl on the left, kiss of the girl behind them, kiss of the girl in front of them. Like it's just like there's multiple instances in every skit they do 
that is planted. And there's people in Celtic shirts in the back of the arena, like they're getting ready to dump confetti on them or just killing. Like it's 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 bad. Even the Harry the Hawk take the splits on the thing. I don't think that was speech too. I mean, to, to the Celtics' credit, I think the Hawks are putting in plants because if they didn't have plants in the audience, they wouldn't really have anybody in the audience to watch the game. <laughs> they needed those yellow shirts for game one. I'll say, I'll say that much. All right, Chris, we've uh, we've done our duty of devolving into um, pretty much nonsense towards the end of the podcast, so I think we're going to have to wrap it up. Oh, Jared has the hand raised. Yeah, last hashtag WEI Celtics question. What is the strawberry situation aftermath right now in the Forsberg household? <laughs> So uh, we were able to – the disappointing part is that the plate was a very sentimental for my daughter made it like, uh, a, like one of those birthdays you go to where you make a plate. And uh, so we're, we're, we're disappointed by the loss of the, of the plate that the strawberries were on. That being said, no one was injured. The shards of glass did not go flying to any of the six-year-olds or three-year-olds' face, which is a win. The six-year-old promptly stepped over the strawberries and said, Mom's dance class, and so Mom whisked her away. And the three-year-old helped me clean up, and uh, she's now on the swing and uh, having fun while waiting to, to, to hang the phone. Hey, Lex, you want to say hi to the boys? Can you say hi? All right. Well, that, that's a no. <laughs> we only do one <laughs> guess at a time here on the WEI Celtics podcast. So, yeah, I'm trying, to, to, weave, I'm trying to weave my whole family in. So, so, so to be clear, the play has been reduced to a common foul. It. It, 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 it was a flagrant one on my daughter for uh, for aggressively trying to go get a cheese stick and just knocking the plate straight to the floor, but we will not hold it against her. Upon video review, there will be no further discipline from the week. Hopefully she will not be suspended for Game 4, but Chris Forsberg, <laughs> you will be back for Game 4, and we'll talk about everything that happens right here on the WEI Celtics podcast. Thanks for joining us, Chris. So that will do it for us here on the WEI Celtics podcast. You can find me in the Twitterverse at CLNS underscore Jared Weiss. You can find me at Sam Packard MBA. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy our random musings, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a review. You can also find the show on Stitcher, the WEI app, the CLNS radio app. Just Google us. Just be, just figure out the internet and just find us. I'm sick of having to list all these places to find us. But please, it's not that hard. Please don't use Bing. If you use Bing, please do not subscribe to us. We do not want any Bing subscribers affiliated with this show. If you use Bing, just you're a, you're a dingus, and I don't want your uh, your ear holes being filled with my voice. Uh, don't forget, the show is powered by CLNS Radio, the online leading provider of audio video content for the Celtics. You can find uh, the Garden Report video post game show there, and Samuel Packard is usually on that one. We'll try to get him back on for Game Four if he doesn't sneak off. Oh, I'll be there. Early start. I'll be there. Perfect. Perfect. So. So that will do it for us. Uh, I'm sure you are well aware of where to find Chris Forsberg. He is with ESPN. You can follow him at ESPN Forsberg. Uh, You could go stalk him at his house where they're making delicious chocolate strawberries on the daily there. And that's going to do it for us here on the show. We will see you after game four. Peace out. I've been watching.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.